previously on Thoughts and Players. It's going to be Clinton. It's going to be Biden Clinton. I don't think so. The reason I don't think so is because the, the, the president rarely, and I would say zero, will ever put somebody there who challenges his authority. Like, you remember, like, Bush and uh, 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 Cheney. You know, Cheney was just supposed to be like nobody. I don't think Clinton would. I think Cheney they're very was, much uh, on the same page, though. I think they're Cheney, very, very... Cheney was, was, was you know, uh, it, for many intents and purposes, the president, while Bush was running around doing stuff. That's a different thing, because he was nobody. He was supposed to be behind the scenes, and Bush needed sort of guidance. But you don't have, like, an Obama and Hillary VP. You put Hillary as Secretary of State. So you put these people in the cabinet at best and in different roles and Secretary of State and all these different things, but you don't make them VP. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying how they think. Biden doesn't want Hillary as a VP. He wants to be fucking president. He doesn't want to be the president, and it's uh, Hillary, and she's sort of, we're both co-presidents. They don't. No, but I don't know. I disagree because I think he has so many women issues that that's going to come up with well, Trump. No, you're right. So but they, he would get a woman. But he wouldn't get. He wouldn't get Hillary. He wouldn't get. Got to be a woman. But if it was Clinton, it would be game over. That would be the smartest move. I, I really do believe because I do believe she has that clout. She has. She almost beat Trump. You know. No, 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 no. no. He. No, no, no. He would. I mean, it's, again, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm saying. Uh, Clinton would be too forceful a VP for him. He would get somebody like Andy Klobuchar. Yeah, right. that could. Yeah, that could be. True. Yeah, but I'm telling you, but Clinton is too powerful a person in name. Yeah, Klobuchar might be make more sense. Clinton yeah. probably doesn't want to do it. But yeah, it's going to be someone of that ilk. It's going to you're be right. a woman moderate. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. You're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's not. It's, it would be shocking almost that it would be a man, and. Uh, 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 and a white man, okay, it, 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 you're looking at a woman, maybe a minority or maybe both, but um, I couldn't possibly see. You're looking for a counter to an old white man uh, who's, you know, just another. I mean, hell, what if, I mean, Pete Buttigieg, he, he might do that just because, <laughs> but you're looking at a woman, really. I mean, you're just going to be pandering to, to that crowd. I committed that if I'm elected president and have an opportunity to appoint someone to the courts, will be a, I'll appoint the first black woman to the courts. It's required that they have representation now. It's long overdue. Secondly, if I'm elected president, my, my cabinet, my administration will look like the country. And I commit that I will, in fact, appoint a, I'll pick a woman to be vice president. There are a number of women who are qualified to be president tomorrow. I would pick a woman to be my vice president. Just to be clear, you just committed here tonight that your running mate, if you get the nomination, will be a woman? Yes. Thoughts and players. Against you, yes. that's what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on one second. Uh, CIA, CIA, are you a go? FBI? Are you a go? <laughs> Local authority. Can you hear me clear? That's the one secret. 
Uh, <laughs> okay, well, let me say this. Uh, first of all, uh, lest anyone think this is a typical uh, uh, podcast or something, uh, we're not doing a podcast. <laughs> we're literally just calling each other and taking advantage of our rants to just record them. Uh, but in that simplicity, there's a certain brilliance because I'm only talking to Matt, as I always talk to him, quite frankly, but as I just would talk to him uh, sitting on the corner on the side of the street, right? And so there's a there's a beauty in that simplicity. And we don't know what we're going to talk about. There's no planning. There's no organizing. There's no artificiality. So this is why I'm sort of keen to this. And we don't talk uh, outside of podcasts or recordings or anything, so it's a quite unusual partnership, <laughs> but it's a very genuine one. So I just thought I'd say that, but uh, all right, Matt, uh, how you doing? Well, I am I am calling you from Manhattan. I'm on 47th Street. If anybody wants to come and arrest me after you uh, after this podcast. And uh, just so you know, I mean, I don't know if you're getting updates on your phone, but they uh, they just pretty much shut down France because of the coronavirus. Uh, and they are pretty restrictive. This is all concerts, clubs, cafes. Now, we're not under that kind of watch here in Manhattan, um, but I would tell you it's quite eerie. Um, yeah, and so... Uh, it's, it's it's nothing like I've ever experienced. So this this experience of the coronavirus is it's nothing I've ever experienced in my life, and it's eerie. And I'm concerned for so many different reasons. I'm really more concerned about the global economic effect is what I'm really concerned about. Um, everything is in a slowdown here, so people are literally not coming to New York City. No one's traveling here. Hotels hotels are you know booking less, and obviously everything else is shut down. NBA. NHL, March Madness, all that affects me greatly. So, because I'm a sports gambler. So, but uh, I'm worried. What's next? What's going to happen next? And I swear, there's well, like. Well, I mean, you you mentioned you mentioned uh, the you know, global, you know, economy and, and that sort of thing, and you also mentioned France has shut down, and you know, New York is being impacted, and and the way I think that gets lost in that is sort of the realness of things happening locally, okay, because, you know, France France isn't calling me. I haven't spoke to France uh, in, in quite a while <laughs> since I visited a little nudist colony as a kid. So that's another story. And, uh, you know, the global economic economy doesn't have my number. We're not talking. We're not on speaking terms. Uh, New York is, you know, barely my friend. So what I'm getting, and we're talking not, you know, policy or anything else, what I'm getting are uh, phone calls from friends, which are recorded. Local, you know, friends in my area who have who are single mothers, who have kids, that sort of thing. I got a call yesterday, and uh, people are talking about, you know, they're off, their kids are out of school for two weeks, uh, some out for a month. Okay, so people are talking about in terms of restaurants and that sort of thing. I get it, businesses and social distancing, which I've been doing for three years now anyway, but social distancing. But this is impacting, you know, real people, single mothers. I know one who doesn't have a paycheck. You see? 
Now, I strongly advise you to hide in a bush. <laughs> well, you know, that's the other thing is, like, you hear a lot of ambulances, and then for some reason, again, when there's a crisis like this, it's, it's, it feels different. You know, it's like, um, for some reason, it's like, oh, no, they're going to pick up another patient. What's happening? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, no, but it was, no, this was sort of like nine uh, after 9-11. On uh, 9-12, I want to say, if my memory serves me, you know, I was in work, going to work. I was on the subway here in D.C., and uh, it it was strange because it was it it was just there there was an eeriness, but there was a solidarity in that sort of quiet eeriness that I have never felt before, and that I have never felt since. Even in you know safe spaces, there was a certain sense without a spoken word. Oh, there's another American. There Asian, black people getting on the subway, all white people, and we were all suddenly. Like, uh, hey, hey, American, hey, American. And the people would come in religious garb. And, you know, you could see Muslims and Christians, but it was all like, we get it. We were attacked, and everybody here is we. And, of course, we've lost all that since then, but it was sort of beautiful in that horrible tragedy. But going back to what I was saying, I'm getting calls from a single mother, close friend. She has uh, two kids, um, and, you know, her work is closed for two weeks and she, right. she's, she's not getting paid so she's now living on her expenses there's no right. i think i think i think the sad part is, is like so things like that are not being reported and i, I would tell you that i saw biden on the last word with uh lawrence o'donnell and he basically they're it's so bizarre because they're trying to talk about so he, he brings up medicare for all and he's wording it in such a strange way by trying not to say cost and services. So he uses the word services. And Biden says, do you think if we had Medicare for all, people would be any less worried? And then Lawrence has to sort of like back, backpedal, like, yeah, maybe. Well, they know their services are guaranteed. And he's like, yes, but what kind of service? And I'm thinking, wait, wait, wait why are we talking about services? I mean, obviously a pandemic is going to affect services, right? But we're talking about the cost. So you just say, like, so imagine this woman who has these children who are now home, imagine one of them gets sick and one of them is hospitalized. Imagine they don't have health insurance. Now it's a whole other issue, right? Now it's a, a cost. They might lose their job. They, they might have these huge medical bills. And you would think in this time that this, this would make a, a huge, this would really affect people in such a way that people are like, you know what? <laughs> Maybe Medicare for all is a good idea. But because, again, the soundboard is so controlled, by mass media, that message is not getting out. And I don't know if, again, as you quote, call them normal people, will understand now why it's so important. You would think a pandemic would be the best, <laughs> would be the best advocate for this kind of system, but still I don't think it's going to happen. And I actually had dinner last night, and a waitress was a Republican, and she's like, can you believe this conspiracy? Can you believe all this stuff they're making up? And I'm like, oh, my God. So you're going to get lots of different opinions about this, but I still believe that they're going to try to control this narrative, which is just insane. It's just, it's so well, crazy. If he tried to describe it that way, I mean, that that sounded very, I didn't see it. Yeah, I have uh, a clip. I have the clip I could send it to you. We could, you could throw it in here, as you do. It's, 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 that seems like it was poorly, I mean, because they, they, they're struggling to say Medicare for all is bad. Like, hey, you know, we're in a pandemic, uh, Medicare for all. So they're like, um, well, what kind of services did you get? Uh, see, this is, 
when something like this happens, it's not just lost wages at work. This person is not getting paid right. during her time off. It's also child care. Now, you have to either start working somewhere else, uh, you're living off your own expenses. Your child care, you're, you're assuming that you're going to be home, but that's only if you can be, if you have wages to live off of and all these right. other different things. So it's, it, it starts to go down the down the rabbit hole of really negatively impacting people. The compounding effects of the it, pandemic it, is, is people don't realize. Exactly. So, and it brings up, like I said, it brings up all these amazing issues. You know, you know child care. Child care is now an issue. Um, sick leave is a major issue. Uh, Medicare for all is a major These are all issues that Biden refuses to budge on, right? He just he'll dance around it uh, yeah. in, in a very <laughs> senile sort of way. Oh, I don't know if you saw his town hall. So Biden does a town hall via Facebook, and the town hall only lasted four minutes <laughs> because of between technological difficulties and him just coming off very poorly. Uh, so the optics were definitely not good, and they shut it down within like four minutes. So wow. yeah, yeah. So wow. that you, you could also throw that into this podcast. So I, again, Sunday should be interesting. Uh, I, I I wonder if that will even happen. You know, part of me feels like you know tomorrow is not going to happen. We're not going to have a debate between Biden and Sanders. But but what will it take if a pandemic isn't shifting people's belief systems? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If a pandemic doesn't shift your belief system, what's going to do it? Well, I mean, isn't New York one of the states, and maybe all of them have shifted towards this, where they've limited, uh, you know. Uh, gatherings, you know, like 250 people or 500 people or whatever. I think it's 500 in New York City. I think it's different in different states. I think they brought it down to 250. But again, what happens? So think about they, the rallies. Think about the rallies now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those, those are messed up. And, you know, Bernie shows a lot of power because of his gigantic rallies. It, 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 everything is just a, a, a mess. It, it seems like they're just like, look, let's just, I know this, I know this is not a direct result of the coronavirus, but the the indirect impacts are like, hey, you know, what can we do <laughs> just to make sure that we nominate Biden and there's no large Biden's not attracting a large crowd. It just seems like everything's horrible timing to to uh, uh, right. They're gonna, they're going to use the pandemic in their to their advantage. Actually, is what you're saying. That's, now, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you you won't be able to see any momentum. Um, for Bernie, you, you, obviously we know because we both were involved. We know momentum is a huge factor, and Biden would have won't be he won't be exposed for you not having any momentum. And again, they don't see that as an issue because they're assuming that people are just going to go out and vote. So they, they momentum was never an issue for Hillary Clinton, and now it's, it's not going to be a, uh, an issue because we, there's a pandemic, so you don't have to worry about that indicator. But we both know he doesn't have the momentum, so. <laughs> And who knows if, if Trump's going to continue to rally? He's a madman. Maybe he'll continue to rally. He won't even care. He'll still he'll still go out and rally. I have no idea what his his schedule looks like. But um, yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Uh, uh, what's going to happen? I just can't believe again that that people aren't shifting uh, their opinions on all, all these issues that are, that are being addressed. And it's going to get worse. So the thing is, it's going to get worse, right? It's not it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. So, they, right. they don't, yeah. they, they we're at all the beginning these, of this. Yes, we're at the beginning of the stage. They tried to flatline this. They closed everything down so they could flatline it. What does that mean? They're just they're trying to stop the exposures because if they get too many people sick, we don't have the resources, which is a whole other issue, right? So we don't even have the resources. It wouldn't even come down to Medicare for all. It would just be not being ready for a pandemic. 
Um, and so that for an example, if Italy needs ventilators, if they're having such a, you know, they're in really trouble and they need ventilators, do you think we're sending them our ventilators? Probably not, right? We're like, hey, sorry, we're going to need those ventilators. So again, it's just about a world organization that was never prepared for this. And Bill Gates has been talking about it for probably four years, maybe longer, you know, preparing for this pandemic. And we're, we, we never decided to get ready. So here we are. <laughs> here we are in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. And another sort of irony, you know, because you know how Bernie rallies against the billionaires and everything else, uh, but the billionaires, Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and uh, what's his name, Jack Ma, whatever, he's he's like the uh, China's version of um, Jeff Bill Gates. Oh, yeah, Jeff Bezos. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. With Amazon, he has Alibaba, so he's like a, you know, billionaire. And so he's like donating... Uh, um, money to the U.S. for, um, you know, uh, equipment, whatever. It, it, but it's just him uh, doing this. And I haven't heard what Bezos is doing. I don't know if he's doing anything, but I would, I would assume. But it, it's almost like an upside-down world where during this, you know, pandemic, uh, everybody's using it uh, negatively <laughs> to against Bernie despite speaking on all of these things in sort of preparation. If you, oh, look, you know where's, where's Warren? Do I have to say it again? She's got blood on her hands. What is she doing? Is she a progressive? Yeah. What is Warren yeah. doing? No one's calling her out. Wouldn't it, if you were, if she's truly a progressive, wouldn't it be the time to come out and endorse Bernie and say, oh, my God, we have a pandemic. We need Medicare for all. We need, child, we need universal child care. You know, <laughs> nothing, nothing from Warren. So what am I supposed to, what am I, <laughs> how am I supposed to bet a person like, uh, Warren, am I supposed to put a pandemic on her resume yeah. where she's not doing that? That hasn't moved her. So, um, again, if it's not going to move a Warren, I suspect, as you call them, normal people will not be moved by a pandemic. But maybe, maybe it's going to get so bad, they're going to have to, they're going to have to make policy changes. Not, not for any for a reason except for common sense or because they have to prepare for this. So, uh, maybe it's, it, maybe it takes a pandemic. It doesn't take a village. It turns out it takes a pandemic. <laughs> what it takes for change. Yeah. But so. you know, I mean, Trump is horrible at 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 at, at sort of proactively addressing things, but he knows how to take advantage of of anything in the moment. So every time he gets up and talks about I'm I'm going to give some money to businesses and uh, I'm uh, allowing some free testing for some communities. He's always doing reactionary stuff, but uh, we, he's up there like, I'm the president and I'm going to make this. So all that does is rallying his his supporters. And, uh, you know, even the whole Biden versus Bernie thing, it's not like Republicans are watching these things and making a decision. They're just still, no matter what, voting for Trump. Right. And so it, it's just, it, it's really just putting a nail in the coffin by pushing Biden uh, forward because, that to me only enables larger groups of people to have a fewer opportunity to vote for who they want to, and a lot of them probably are just going to sit it out. And well, that's, a, that's that's another effect of this. That could be another huge effect that we don't see coming as the voter turnout. But it is unbelievable. First of all, Bill Gates stopped, dropped off the board, but that's not. He dropped off the board, and maybe hopefully he's going to try to jump off the, uh, the board of Microsoft. So maybe he's going to engage himself into this pandemic. But also, you know, they did inject 1.5 million dollars into the system, which again, what does that mean between me and you? We're not economists. Who gets their hands?
at first. Is there, is there some sort of waiting line? Is it like a bread line? Who gets who gets their hand on the 1.5 million? How is that divvied out? How is that divvied out? And again, it's such a little blip on the news cycle, but that's obviously saying, hey, this we we could be not only in the middle of a pandemic, but we could be in the middle of a great depression. And that could happen. I mean, no one's talking about it because I guess they don't want to create panic. But I would assume that that could very well happen because again, the dominoes that I have have not fallen. What happens if an MTA worker gets coronavirus? Are they going to shut down the MTA? Are they going to shut down all the buses and subways and then no one can move? And then we become Italy in New York? So, again, it depends, I guess, on the spread of the disease. And, again, I haven't even updated. I don't know, I don't know how the numbers well, are showing. I mean, but what, you know, the reports that are coming out of, uh, you know, Italy and France, whatever, is that, for example, they're, they're making what they're calling horrible decisions uh, because, uh, like, if, if a nurse or a doctor shows symptoms but they're not severely impacted, you know, they're just putting on masks, whatever, and they're continuing to work. And if someone's old and is, is showing severe symptoms, you know, just a pure manpower, they're going, okay, well, we can't focus on this old person. Uh, this person is, is uh, we, we need to focus our energies on the younger people. Uh, right now, and, now where now where are you getting the information? Because that's obviously that is the tale coming out of Italy right now. Is that it's so bad there? They're picking and choosing who's going to die. That's exactly. What's being, that's what's being told. Now that's not being. I don't think that's being told by the news. I think that stuff that's coming out of Italy per people who live there are calling people in the states saying, "Hey, they're picking and choosing now who's living over here." So just based on the numbers and the resources yeah. and the ventilators right. and the beds. So exactly. this is go- this is going on in such a bubble, and like you said, who do you? It is interesting. I don't want to point fingers, obviously, but why Italy? So what is wrong with their healthcare system? Did they just was it just bad luck, or was it a healthcare system run amok? Like I again, I don't I don't know what the answer is. We won't know until years from now, I suppose. But um, yeah. yeah, this is. Uh, <laughs> I'm wondering what the racial component of this is too. Like if you have some old black person and you have some old white person, uh, is there any, you know, dif- difference between the services or, or how active? And then if, if it's a rich person versus a poor person, you see what I'm saying? The, the same well, problem. it's interesting. I don't mean, I can extrapolate on that a little bit, though, because we can talk about the Ebola virus and why, you know, Africa, if it came into Africa, that would be such a huge, if coronavirus made it into Africa, they don't have the health care system. That's just what their, that's what their issue is. Like a place like the Congo, uh, doctor per, you know, per square mile is, is probably the lowest in the world, I believe, in the Congo. So, again, so they don't have, they don't have the infrastructure. They don't have the health care system. So if it came there, and why did Ebola not spread? Um, outside of Africa, it was just because the, the the virus itself was so devastating, people were dying so quickly, so it couldn't spread. So if you got Ebola, you were dead within like 12 hours. So you couldn't mm-hmm. so you couldn't spread it. So again, that's why it, it is fascinating. There are you can ask all those questions. What is going to cause the spread? What is causing the spread in the United States and each each country? What is the issue? What you know is it resources? Is it ventilation? Is it doctors? Is it is it word of mouth? Is it information? We we won't, we won't know. Unfortunately, we don't know until the dust is cleared. So, and like I said, I don't right. need to go back to Bill Gates, but Bill Gates is basically was saying in all of his talks, all the talks that people give on TED Talk and, 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 and different documentaries, basically saying, we're just not ready. We're not ready. No one's preparing for this. And it's going to happen. And they knew it was going to happen. 
And a matter of fact, the next pandemic will be worse than this. So well, they, were testing, they were testing for coronavirus, uh, I want to say years ago, but it wasn't, you know, it, it, it wasn't actively tested. There was no urgency on, on, on this. There weren't, there wasn't funding and there wasn't any sort of, you know, call to But action. the crazy thing about the coronavirus is it's hard to understand what the virus is. What's the incubation period? Can you reinfect? Uh, will it mutate? So, again, we're talking about when you're talking about a virus, it is hard to come up with real facts and real numbers. So, uh, again, if there isn't a great system in place, I'm not saying they haven't done a great job. I think they actually have done a pretty good job trying to contain it, right? To, to be able to shut down the NBA, the NHL, whoever's making those phone calls, March Madness, we're talking about billions and billions of dollars of, of income. Someone made a phone call and said, you need to shut this down. So, like, March Madness, that's probably $2 billion lost in revenue. So, I mean, this is having a dramatic effect economically. But, again, they are trying to, they are trying to put a lid on this. It's going to be difficult. But, again, I, I yeah, wake up. I also, think, I also think it's financial, though, because I think they probably would have lost more money than that if they sort of pushed through. And, and uh, I mean, they're, of course, saying, at least, we're, we're doing all this out of an abundance of caution, right, is the key phrase. But if if anyone sort of uh, tiptoed around this, and you had people exposed, you're talking about uh, lawsuits uh, that that are going to be you know ginormous, and so you can't you can't even risk it. I mean, you have no choice. You said, well, we went to the game. Y'all didn't cancel. We had tickets. We went. Y'all. And look, we got we got affected. So I mean, they're really right, right. So that's the other thing I should bring up, though, is liability factors. So in New York City, they haven't shut down the schools yet. Schools are still in play. So and they haven't shut the MTA. So when does it become a liability that if somebody gets the coronavirus, there's lawsuits involved? You should have shut right. the place down. So yeah. that's the next thing. That's the next domino that hasn't fallen in New York City is that they'll close down the schools. We're still, our schools are still active. So, I mean, in certain areas, but not in New York City proper, schools are still active. The NTA is still all active. So it's just a matter of, you know, is, is this legitimately going to spread? Uh, are cases going to increase? And they're going to have to take a, even more measures. Now, you know what's happening in China. China's got to handle this because they're being draconian about it. They're, they're separating families. Uh, obviously, they're building hospitals. And they're just yeah. creating, they're creating the resources. Out of and everything, like you were seeing coughing or or definitely showing signs of illnesses. It's like an app that people have. And, you know, they all have mobile phones out there. They're like, you know, light years ahead of us. Right. So they're just they're just like, okay, you know, person at 3, 4, 17 Street is, is coughing really severely, you know, so who knows what. The, so I, I, I ordered an infrared uh, thermometer. So that's what they're using in China is like wherever you go, no matter where you're going, they're going to take your temperature. So they're going to infrared your temperature, and if you're if you're having a temperature, you're not coming in. You're not coming into the establishment. So that's not happening here, right? So uh, I'm curious, how much does that thermometer cost you? Cost me a whole twenty dollars. I don't know. I, it comes tomorrow, so I don't know if it's good, if it actually yeah. works. I don't know. Well, if see, it's I'm, I'm wondering is, I mean, did that cost two dollars? You know, uh, a month ago. Well, yeah, I don't know if there's price gouging. Obviously, when you go to Amazon, it does appear to other thermometers like an ear thermometer or actual when you. There's other thermometers that looks like it's being price gouged, but I, 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 this was recommended by a friend. I have no idea how it works. It looks like it's more like an industrial thermometer where you're trying to do like you go to like right. circuits and stuff like that. But I don't know if it's going to work. But I think it's important to have. I mean, there's thing off the Amazon marketplace. Just everything that ships and is sold by Amazon. 
you need to definitely look close when you buy stuff on on that system. It's basically eBay, that marketplace. Yeah. Um, Alessa, so, but so which camp are you in? Are you in the camp of, you know, uh, social distancing, high people staying away from them? Uh, again, which I've been doing for two years now. Or you're like, look, I'm going to go about my life. I'm, there's a whole fight brewing now, right? Of like people are saying people are assholes because they're going to restaurants and they're running around because they're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not contagious and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm young and I'm healthy. Well, as you say, we're, this is not a true podcast, but as you know me, as we we know each other uh, somewhat, I am an introvert. I have social anxiety. So if someone has social anxiety, usually this probably is a time where I would go out because there's no crowds. So now it's like, oh, I can handle this. So the energy is different. It's eerie. But for me, it's like, oh, this is an opportunity for me to go out and act normal. Because if it was really crowded, I, I tend to not act normal. I tend to get anxious or anxious, not want to stay certain places. Right, so, right. I, so I am in I am in the other team where it's like, I'm going to go out. And if I get it, I get it. You know, there's, there's not much I can do. So I'm taking the risk and I'm going to enjoy my life. And so, yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a weird crowd. Because, see, I mean, but you bring up an interesting thing because a lot of people still think introvert means shy. And and there's aspects of that, but it's it's not one to one. You're a professional comedian. You go out. You do. You speak with audiences. You you know. You're doing podcasts. You're doing all these things. Everyone would consider you to be social and extroverted, which uh, which you are social and everything else. Because people don't understand that. Because I'm an introvert. <laughs> people, I have to argue with people and tell people. It, what introvert really means, when you get right down to the foundation of it, is that you are recharged, you're energized in your alone time, in your aloneness, in your being by yourself and being away from people, and you're drained with those interactions, where the, the extrovert, they're energized by all those interactions. So it doesn't mean you become shy, although... It's actually, that's, it's, a great, that's a great definition, and actually... Might want, to change the, might want to change the word to introvert because it does it does confuse people. But that's an exact, that's a great definition of why people who consider them it's something it's, it's more about the zapping of your energy because you're overly. I would you know what the thing is if I said it to you then it was, I would say I'm probably oversensitive, but no one would see me that way. I'm probably oversensitive. And if you were going to give it as a flaw, exactly like a, a personality flaw, I'm oversensitive. That's what I would say to you. Hypersensitive. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a, good, a good friend of mine told me that, and I was like, oh, okay, hmm. And she says, you might be hypersensitive. It wasn't a reaction to anything that we were talking about, but I was talking to her about some other things and relationships and all these things, and she was like, you might be hypersensitive. That might be, and, I, and, and to me, that's sort of a progressive trait, and I hate the word progressive because it's been butchered, right? But um, it's just, you know, you're empathetic, you care about other people, you don't just think about yourself, you know. That's that's sort of a a, a foundation of you know the the the, the leftist and all that you know where the outward consideration of other people. So, but the fascinating uh, part is that you're saying that political views could be neurological. It could be just the way we're wired. So like we take it's like if I take offense on a Republican or if I take offense on a on a moderate, it might just be because they're because they're wired differently. Let me give you an example. You're right, but let me. I mean, you're right. Let me give you because you, I don't want to get into religion because uh, I have do it, do it, do it. Do it because have, I, 
I have friends who are religious, but you bring up a good point because some of them are progressive, and I'm always like, I don't get that. Um, and and she and she rallies about this. She's like, I'm I'm a Christian, and yet she's fiercely uh, leftist. And I always felt like there's a and, and she hates the fact that the a disconnect left, between the two. Yeah, she, well, she feels she, she hates the fact that the left is many of them are against religion. Let me give you an example, a real-world example sure. of what you're saying. Uh, a couple of years ago, I can't really tell you when, I have no concept of time, but years back, we, ha- we had a D.C. sniper, and it was... Okay, like, I remember that, yes. It was, it was scary. They made a movie out of it and everything, but we lived through this, and it was scary as hell because this guy, John Malville, whatever, and he had great, basically brainwashed this black boy, he did, the man was black, the guy was black, and basically brainwashed his boy. And, and, there's, a great, and he, there's a great documentary on it. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, right? So, I mean, if you want yeah. to so, go watch the whole story. But go ahead. So, what, it was so scary because there was no rhyme or reason. There, there weren't bank robberies. There wasn't theft. They were literally just going around D.C., Maryland, Virginia, you know, D.C., as you call it, this, this area, uh, not tri-state, because D.C. is not a state. It's such a better story. i got to jump in. They, they would drill a hole in the, in the trunk, right? And he would put the gun through the trunk and just right. randomly shoot people. And there was no way to figure out where the, the shooter was coming from. So this guy was a military guy who brings this kid in with him, and they're going around your area, D.C., just murdering people for no reason. Right. Real right. Literally, literally at a gas station, someone would just get shot while they're right. pumping gas. They'll be outside of a supermarket shot. In Maryland, D.C., and Virginia, so it wasn't even a, a, a centered place in, in the area. Uh, people at bus stops just waiting for the bus. Boom, boom, shot. And so there was, it was literally randomly shooting people for no rhyme or reason. So this whole area was terrified. And then there was a false report that we think they might, they might be in a white van, which wasn't true because they were in that car you described. And so every time there was a white van, especially now with Amazon Prime, right? <laughs> there, there's always these random white vans that they have. But uh, uh, so every, every time somebody saw a white van linger and slow down, it was sheer terror. And they would call the cops and everything else. So this went on for, I don't know, a couple of weeks or so, whatever. Um, and and they, when, we, when we caught them, they, everybody found out where they were. And they were, they, were, they were near somebody at all times. Like wherever you were, they were, they were often within miles and just randomly looking for somebody. And you could have been uh, a victim. Okay, so that's the setup. But here's, here's the deeper part because you're talking about sort of the neurological state of a, of, of a leftist, all right? Okay, so the, 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 the man, I believe the man was uh, executed. I, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember if he was in jail, I think, or he died, but I think he was uh, executed or something. Um, and and but the, the boy went to jail because they sort of ruled he was uh, brainwashed by this older man and everything else. So he, he's in jail, this guy, uh, in one of the scariest times in D.C. history, okay? That that man, I shouldn't say boy, but that young black man, but he's a boy, a young guy, um, uh, just recently got married, okay? In, in, while, while he's in jail. He got well, married to some, did not know that, yeah. He, yeah, this is this is like last week. He just got still get, married. Still getting the ladies. Go ahead. He's still getting the ladies. He still got. He just got married. Still got that to charm. This, to this white guy, this white girl. Okay, uh-huh. young girl. She comes from a wealthy family, like big time money, 
magnet, okay, uh, super wealthy. She donates hundreds of thousands of dollars to political causes. She she openly supported Bernie Sanders, uh, secretly supported, I can't think of the lady, Mary Williamson, whatever, uh, who dropped out, um, and and real big time leftists. Because your first reaction is, who's going to marry this guy? Uh, but this person is so deep into sort of that leftist phenomenon, uh, forgiving and second chances, that uh, only you think a leftist could possibly want to marry this person and, says, and can see the goodness in him. And for a lot of people, even on the left, they're like, whoa, I'm not, so this guy was like a little sniper boy. And so when you read into her history, her family is, you know, wealthy, different ideologies, you know, you know, right, I don't, I don't want to say far right, but very money maker. She's at odds with her family, her rich grandfather and all these things um, because of her views and her policies. She sort of rebelled against her family. And so you wonder at what point has her policies obscured maybe even her judgment? Or is she just sort of walking, and, you know, talking the talk and walking the walk, right? Um, and so this unlikely couple got married, she's being super progressive, but you wonder, is she being conned? Is she, because she's, I mean, she's one of these people that she goes to rallies. She got arrested. She had, she hired a lawyer. She got arrested at one point because she was protesting on behalf of Black Lives Matters after all those uh, cop killings. I mean, cops were shooting people, shooting black people all over. So you have a classic snowflake, a classic, as the white would say, a classic liberal snowflake. And here she's doing an action that some would applaud, but a lot of people would find cringy and start questioning the motives if she's being duped or whatever because he comes from a wealthy background. So what it sounds like it sounds like a documentary you need to start working on. Well, I'm sure this is I'm sure this is part two of that documentary of uh, <laughs> because because look so you're making an interesting points. So let me let me say out a point that's interesting. So this gentleman who took on the young man who. He brought him in, trained him, and made him believe that he should be going out shooting. Now this guy, in turn, has gotten somehow to this girl and brainwashed her into thinking that it's a good idea to get married. So maybe he was using the same tactics. We don't know. But why you brought this up? I still don't know how this. Are you, what is your What is your point? Well, you you made you made something that just got me interested because yeah. you were talking about uh, what is sort of the neurological mindset of a leftist, right? You know, what is that sort of book? I mean, she's, she, it, it almost seems like she's, she, and you see this in a lot of people, but you almost, it, it, it's, it's, you wonder if she weren't leftist, of course, would she be even going to a jail, writing, this is how it started, you know, writing letters to this person, going to me. I See, I had something similar to this, okay, because I was, I was helping a relative. I was visiting a relative who got into a little trouble um, and, you know, went to jail for a month or so like that, but nothing nothing dangerous or anything. Um, and, and there was this girl, and uh, she went, while I was waiting for the, the case or the trial, whatever, um, you, you're just sitting in the back, obviously. It's not really like, you're just sitting there waiting, you know, all day for, for the person you know to come out. And so you're hearing all these stories beforehand, and this girl basically got uh, went down a rabbit hole and started to get into you know trouble and with drugs and all these things and, and being used and 
And so she was very charming. She seemed very beautiful. There was sort of that leftist, uh, uh, oh, underdog, we, we're rooting for you, you know. Uh, and who knows if it was staged or whatever. But she came off very like, oh, I hope she wins. Give her, you know, give her a chance, you know. And so I was so compelled to go talk to her. But it was almost like seeing a girl in a club. <laughs> and I was in my mind going, hey, you know, I wanted to say, you know, uh, congratulations and uh, uh, good luck in the future and everything else. But what I was really doing in the back of my mind, unconsciously or subconsciously, was like, man, I want to – I I created a little movie in my head of, hey, and I think this is what happens when you're trying to be good or trying to do the right thing. You know, this girl, this wealthy girl is, like, talking to this, you know, this guy, boy, got caught up in the system and – writing letters and then goes to visit him and then who knows what happened did he adopt some of the brainwashing tactics from his mentor is it is it genuine but she's opened these doors from her neurological mindset perhaps has had open doors that she 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 wouldn't have otherwise done and i'm not judging because i did the same thing i i, I was like what am i doing no i I started talking to her afterwards with all these things and, and, and started to imagine what might things be in the future. <laughs> you know? Wait a minute, you, you were able to actually talk to this woman? Is this the woman you're talking about? You actually had a conversation with her? Or you're, Absolutely, yeah, of course. I no way. I, yes, so I would have. So how did well, that go? We exchanged contact information. Um, and I followed her case. She got out to start a new life. She, um, I went to go visit her. Because after the thing, she you know she got like a little something something you know two weeks and two weeks in jail. So what is your ta- so what was your take on the whole? So like, and looking back, what would your you did have a conversation with? What do you think was the what was the issue? What, what did you did you did you have a do you have a finish to the story? Like what, how did you look at this whole thing? What did you say? Why did it well, happen? Moved, at some point she well I mean she she eventually moved, started her new life, and and is is uh, uh, what do you say? Well it, now well integrated back into society you know wow. um, but my my point is not even right. her my point is sort of my emotional state i i was drawn to this woman not right. her it was a situation it sort of created a non-reality that i wanted to make a reality um right. and you have this wealthy girl feeling white guilt white privilege doing all the right things protesting i'm going to write this prisoner and I know, you know, I know the system is unjust against black people. All these things, you, you're sort of creating your own story. And and you know, you're a guy in jail. Some white girl comes in. She's wealthy. You're like, oh, I'm not saying there's any falseness there. Who knows? But you start going, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm, I'm feeling feelings for you. Well, I see way out. The I only mean, thing, the only thing I can get from this, that I'm trying to take from this, is. Are you trying to tell us that we need to have better brainwashing tactics as progressives, as, as hypersensitive, neurologically <laughs> challenged progressives? How do we get other people to care as much as you? Like, if you were interested in this woman. How do we get people to care about child care? How do we get people to care about Medicare for all? How do we, I, mean, I think it's all sort of, you know, I mean, again, I, I, I think about religion. I think about if right, you're that's kids, if you're a kid and your parents are Baptist, what are the chances you're going to grow up Muslim? Might maybe, but unlikely. If you're a Protestant, you're going to grow up Protestant. If you're a Muslim, you're going to grow up Muslim. 
So I don't want to even use the word brainwashing. I feel like, I what feel else, I like what you're what saying. What else do you call it? What else do you call it? Kids are empty vessels. But I think it's interesting what you're saying because you're saying the greater task is teaching your children to care. Right, so yeah. maybe getting beyond religion and teaching your kids to be caring and not hypersensitive, but caring about social issues, understanding social issues, and caring from a young age. Because if you teach them religion and certain rules, that stuff's going to stick, right? I'm a Catholic. It stuck. Everything's still in there. I fight yeah. it every day, but it's in there, right? So if you, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to teach them Dianetics. <laughs> if you could teach them a different way of seeing the world. And maybe that's like you said, you always talk about how Bernie Sanders, he's just pushing the ball, right? Maybe he will become this guy that people end up telling their kids about, right? And they're like, well, this guy, Bernie Sanders, just like they would talk about Jesus. Maybe that's what his effect will be. It's sad that we have to hope that through all of this, people, he will leave a legacy that people can teach their children because we are taught a certain amount of behavior through religion right. or, what, or whatever country you're raised in, whether that's authoritarian, you know, it's in China, or you're being taught daily on the way to yeah. act and think. So I'm, maybe... How many, how, many, I mean, how many pure racists, classical racists, not, you know, people just politically labeled racists, okay, which is a horrible way to win an election, but the true racists, how many pure racists uh, grew up in, in you know... Uh, you're saying how many races are how many races are born? Just come out yeah. of How many you see those old, old you see those old twenty twenty videos and the kids are just spouting horrible things, you know. Uh the fag Scott hates fags and everything else. Like you're, you're like, Well they're eight, so you're like, This is obviously just they're parrots. They're parental Parents, you know? God, yep. God never said that specifically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, but you know, just instinctually, they don't even know what they're saying. Right. right. And this is, they're just mimicking. And, and, but see, there's a certain, here's, a, here's another thing. Like, there's a, I don't know what it is that makes people break away. Like, I went to a, a private Christian school. That's a whole other story. I, went, I, was oh, going wow. to, I was going to a public school. And uh, for like a week or so, and my, my, my mother and my father didn't have the money, but they moved in the middle of the year, and uh, the principal was yelling. This, this speaks on public education and stuff and not funding for school. They thought I was brilliant because I was reading the books. They were all shocked that I could read. But the books were like, you know, three grades below me. So I knew that they were teaching the kids at a lower level because they wanted them to pass. But it looked like because I was reading at the normal level that, that I was some kind of genius. And I go, this is ridiculous. I literally saw a friend in, at one of the lockers that I went to school with in Turkey, like in the elementary school in the country of Turkey on, on the Air Force Base. And I could see as the deadness in his eyes. He was a different person. Jeez. You know, and him walking down the hall, it, 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 even though I was young, I knew it was sort of like a metaphor that he was going to go this way and I was going to go the other way. My parents pulled me out. I would, I would, have, been, I would have been different. Who knows what would have happened? Right. But, my, but in, in their wisdom, in their, in their, this is one of the many times my, my parents saved me without me knowing it until later. And they, and they pulled me out. They found a public, a private school, went, went to the Christian school. My family is you know, very religious and all these different things. And yet for some reason, when I was in the school and I saw how people acted and I saw – Sort of this, I don't, I don't want to say cultish mentality, but I saw all these different behaviors, and and I just rejected it. 
Now, what was that? What was in me, even though I had the full support of not only the school, the teachers, and my family, that made me resist that? Yeah. Is it it a neurological thing? Is it a neurological because you weren't trained, you were trained to actually think different, right? So if you were exactly, parent, you're, you're a military, you're, you're a military religious family, and you went the opposite way. Is it just, is it something that can be measured in your genome? You know, saying is it, is it neurological? That's a pretty fascinating statement to make uh, because we can't, because we can't, uh, or I don't know the right words are, we can't quantify or qualify why, why, why exactly. do you care about the shit that we care about and and the passion that we have about it, and we're so. Right. We're so passionate that we say, hey, no one's talking like this. No one talks like us. Like, we need to do a podcast. Like, no one talks like us in the whole world. You know, sometimes you feel like in the whole world. Like, you're telling me that Michael Moore is the only one who can push back on how senile Biden is or how that his policies and plans are going to help nothing. But you can do nothing for the second core. It's, it's basically status quo, Joe. These are all obviously cliche statements. But what makes us right. differently? Why? You were raised by a military religious family. I was made by a father who was in the military and also very religious, and we both chose to go very, very far the other way. Why? Why? No one one taught us. No one trained us. We made the decision, right? And that's the thing. And it's it's not like a a rebellious thing, like a Catholic girl who, you know. Never, never. Me and you you were never like that. We we pulled the line. We tried to be the good son or whatever, but eventually we were like, okay, got to go our separate way. We got to go our separate ways. Um, ideological, if that's the word. Yeah. Yeah. And my father passed away, but, you know, I love my father. There was no fighting. There was no TV of the movie week drama on my side. Uh, Right. And and my family considers me, you know, the smart one and the the good one and all this stuff, even though, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, like, they're pro-Trump. Oh, my gosh. Really? Oh, my gosh. I don't know where my dad would be. I would always say if I had a time machine, I have to go back and thank my dad and then murder him because he got because he got Alzheimer's and he died a horrible death. And I know because he was religious, he probably would have he would have went the same route. He would have got Alzheimer's and he would have not you know believed in euthanasia and he would have toughed it out and it would have been a horrible thing. So if I but I go to the time machine, I'm going back to thank my father and then I have to murder my own father because I can't see him suffer <laughs> with Alzheimer's. So that's that's my movie script. Um, but yeah, no, we well, both. I mean, you're still sort of commenting. It's funny how we, I mean we we just talk all over the place, but we, there's always a, a sort of a running thread that begins accidentally because you're you're sort you're talking about like the Hitler as a baby uh, conflict. Uh, people are like, do you kill Hitler as a baby to be, to prevent what would happen, or are you killing an innocent because they haven't yet been socialized to become? Is it neurological? Is it innately in that baby? Or is there something you could do? There's a, to me, they made a joke. Like, you know, all we had to do was, like, Hitler was doing some art. All we needed was, like, the art teams to be like, you know what? I, uh, Hitler, I think, uh, some, of these, uh, some of these paintings are pretty damn good. You know? I think that is a good place to end the podcast. Leave that question with the listeners. Should you kill Hitler as a baby? Could you go back in time and kill Hitler as a baby? That's where we're going to do the podcast. Would it be the right thing? Would you be killing an innocent or someone who's innately evil? Yes. And on that note, I have to end the podcast. So Excellent. Thank Perfect. you for talking to me, and I will call you again. We'll do another podcast. All right. After we're Dan from the United States. Enjoy. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. I think we both know I don't have what it takes to do this. So I'm just going to change your diaper real quick, and then I'm going to come back with my friend Cable. He loves killing kids. Mm-hmm.